वेलकम टू दिस थर्टी थर्ड एडिशन ऑफ क्लैरिटी चैट पॉडकास्ट अनदर अपॉर्चुनिटी ऑफ एन इंटरक्टिव फ्री वीलिंग क्लैरिटी चैट ड्यूरिंग माई लाइव शो वेलकम टू द पार्ट टू ऑफ ए एम ए आस्मी एनीथिंग इन टूडे सेशन वी विल डिस्कस योर क्वेश्चन अराउंड लीडरशिप बिजनेस रिलेशनशिप्स टेक्नोलॉजी पार्टनर्स डेटा एंड एनालिटिक्स चेंज मैनेजमेंट सी आई ओ इफेक्टिवनेस सो टूडे वी कवर should cios do macro management or micro management or mix approach what are the pros and cons and what's my way of working and my experiences what are the real threats to the cio role if any what are how are partners important for cio in vision goal accomplishment what according to you is a good it model for an organization central or distributed this is the 33rd episode of clarity chat and i'm excited to discuss audience questions in this free wheeling chat welcome to clarity chat did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes well managing technology is incredibly complex it covers all processes and everything it does impacts people in some way The function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success to help you decode the complexity. To help you leverage partners effectively, to help you partner with business more effectively. to help you manage change better to help you attract talent you get this clarity via experiences of cios and business leaders shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea welcome to the clarity chat podcast sometime back was uh, cios could do macro management or micro management or mix approach what's the pros and cons what's your way of working and lead oh this is a fantastic question so i can tell you a story from when i was not a cio and i think i had just started my uh, you know stint in it with the cr program well um, one of our good friends from technology world had given us an advice that whenever you do a program do take the time to learn the technology its boundaries and its uh, constraints Uh, if you are trying to push the boundaries where the constraints are you know you'll be breaking your head on the wrong wall and if you're accepting boundaries where the flexibilities are you know you're probably not doing justice so we had taken a a training program the entire core team had taken a training program on civil 3 weeks program it's almost like a you know a very high end certification into civil and we had come back now i uh, was like you know in charge of the service module and there was a form on which you know there was a label which the spelling was wrong okay so i just like you know went up one floor to the development uh, floor and asked those asked the guys i said hey who is developing the service module and got a name and uh, i said hey you know what this label is wrong look at this and how much time can you take to uh, to to uh, uh, to resolve it he kind of you know looked here and there and did something like this and said yeah sir you know i can do it in a week okay so i said good 
do you have this? And he said, yes. I said, let's go to your terminal. So he went to his PC. I said, open the tools. I said, okay, go to this, go to this, do, 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 do. And, you know, like seven steps later, I said, F5. For all the guys in the old age, the F5 used to be like, you know, for rendering the code, you know, simulating the code. And wow, the, the form was out there with the correct spelling. Now, <laughs> uh, I didn't say anything. I just smiled at him and I said, thank you so much. You could, you could do a job of a week in a, in, in, in a, in a few minutes. And that actually, you know, made a big difference afterwards. You know, nobody took any liberties. Nobody took us for granted. People kind of figured out that we know the technology and, uh, you know, we were able to do things on time. So um, what's our lesson here? The lesson here is that you got to go into the details sometimes. Otherwise, you can be taken for a ride. But all the time, absolutely no. So only when there are exceptions, only when there are red flags that happen, right? When it comes to root causing, a, let's say, a production issue or, you know, an outage, I think you've got to just roll up your sleeves and sit with the team. And even if you don't know the subject, you know, ask the right question, you know, go into the why, 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 the six whys process and uh, get to the uh, root cause. And then, you know, like, you know, so there are times that you need to roll up your sleeves and get into the brass tacks. There are times when, you know, you've got to focus more on the strategy, leaving the operations uh, to the team and, uh, and trusting them to do their job, right? Uh, now, I, you know, this incident happened long, long way back. So I've forgotten the name of the developer. So nothing against you if you're listening to it. Nothing against you as such, you know, but it's just that you got to know what you are working on in order to be able to manage it well, control it well, and make sure that, you know, you don't get taken for a ride. Um, now, let me end this particular question with, a, you know, term that, I got from Kalpana Maniar and she said that, you know, as a CIO, you need to have a Garud Drishti as well as a Sarp Drishti. Okay. So Garud is the, Garud is the, you know, um, the kite or the eagle. Okay. So the eagle has, is looking at things from like, you know, whatever, 5,000 feet above. But he has very sharp eyes. So he's kind of knows that is our lay of the land as, and you also need to have the Sarpudrishti, which is like, you know, you are crawling on the ground and uh, you are like connected with the details. Now you need to have a combination of both. So the, the, you need the Garud Drishti to figure out where exactly I need to look for the details. And then you need the Sarpudrishti to, to figure out those details for yourself by asking the right questions, by reaching out to the right people. Okay. What are the real threats to the CIO role? If CIO's role, if any, I can take this question in two parts. You know, one is the threat to the 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 role called CIO, okay, and the second is the threat to the person who's occupying the CIO role, okay. So let me take the first one first. I think the CIO role is not going anywhere. People have written the epitaph of CIO role many a times. You know. I remember when I became the CIO within a year, somebody very senior told me that, oh, so you are the new CIO of Tata Motors. Uh, you know, Jagdish, what CIO means? CIO means the career is over. <laughs> but actually not. So even though people have written uh, epitaphs of it, 
it's not yet over. There is quite a lot, you know, as technology keeps getting more and more complex, as frameworks keep getting like, you know, moving faster and faster, as the partner ecosystem becomes, you know, more and more capable and complex. You require someone to manage the entire thing for you. And it cannot be, you know, somebody who's marketing. The marketing guy has to look at marketing technologies, marketing vendors, marketing processes, you know, and the KPIs that they will be looked at will be from a different point of view, you know. So for every CXO role, there are a certain set of KPIs that they are going to be evaluated on. And I think uh, uh, technology innovation, you know, keeping the technology running well, you know, uh, keeping the organization safe from cyber threats, you know, driving uh, innovation to technology, you know, driving uh, bringing new technologies to the organization and all of that you know these are the kind of things where the cio's kpis will come from when so far as long as i have been working you know i mean working means in in executive roles i've had a balance scorecard with kpis and when somebody tells me the cio role is uh, under threat i actually can go back to that scorecard and i can look at hey you know what if this role is under threat, then who owns all those KPIs? And uh, I don't see anyone who is interested in some of those KPIs, right? Like, for example, you know, managing large IT contracts, managing the governance with the partners, like, you know, managing the relationships with big partners to bring in technology capabilities. These are all like uh, CIO uh, jobs. Now, coming to the second part of that question, Amrinder, is like, you know, is there a real threat to the CIO's role? That means the person's role is, of course. I mean, you know, if you, the domain of technology is moving the fastest, is changing the fastest compared to any other uh, function. In fact, the incursion of technology in all these other functions is actually, you know, changing the roles of those functions fastest, you know, like it's bringing automation into recruitment, bringing automation into finance processes, you know, you name it, like, you know, manufacturing uh, processes, uh, planning processes, so technology is disrupting the roles in all the all the functions, and uh, that means the biggest disruption is going to be in uh, the role which is going to manage it for everyone. So if you're not going, if you're not able to keep yourself up to date, not just in terms of technology, but also in terms of being able to manage the organization change, being able to manage the CXO relationships, the organization politics, uh, you know, uh, being able to manage the partners well, being able to manage the programs, being able to attract the talent. So there are a number of things that you need to do to be successful as a CIO. And, uh, you know, so uh, you have to really uh, look into the mirror and see whether you are able to do all of that uh, or not. And if not, then, you know, you better find better, you better, you know, seek some help or, you know, I can't say take some course because that's what everyone is taking right now. Okay. Uh, but I think I think I think that's the time to find a mentor or a coach, you know, who can basically work as a sounding board to you and can help you, uh, you know, in uh, in figuring out uh, what to change and and how to change, right? So Jagdish, uh, I mean, you know, I saw your comment on LinkedIn. You said that you know you wanted to share a case study or also wanted to uh, sort of share how Clarity Chat has helped you. So let's start with the second one first. Uh, tell us some real incidences where, you know, Clarity Chat helped you in like shaping conversations differently. 
Yep. Yeah. Sure. Thank you, first of all, uh, Jagdish and the team uh, uh, having me uh, on this clarity chat and then sharing my experiences. And first of all, uh, uh, and congratulations for thirty third session. It's uh, not a you know easy task and uh, hosting this on a trot thirty three sessions without a break. It's a marvelous achievement, and uh, uh, you know. Uh, lot of uh, learnings and uh, sometimes you know i am uh, unable to join but uh, i do get a chance whenever whenever i do get a chance i go through the recording once so some of the key takeaways jagdish i want to share um, like you know um, one is the key uh, uh, couple of points i don't want to share uh, with the uh, in terms of time we have Uh, one is communication, uh, keeping communication channels uh, with the business and the likes, or within the teams, or within IT, or business users, and various stakeholders, right? So that's uh, one what I could uh, learn from uh, the leaders or CIOs or uh, you know CEOs who were uh, uh, joining these sessions. and then uh, also uh, some of the leaders sharing that uh, they have diversified from finance to cio roles to some other roles right and uh, they are ready to take challenges and then uh, ready to you know uh, accept what it is coming and then the kind of uh, backing coming from the their leaders right it's uh, phenomenal that's that's one of the key thing where uh, leaders back up is uh, seen as an uh, you know uh, a positive which helped these uh, uh, you know uh, ceos and uh, leaders to thrive and uh, also uh, like you touched upon few points on the making the processes robust right so uh, it or digital transformation is not going to help unless until there is a strong process and then acceptance of that process and change management which comes along with the process right with this transformation so that's uh, another uh, uh, you know key point we could uh, uh, you know uh, learn from it and then also the key point uh, i want to take away uh, from one of the sessions are the customer satisfaction right so i want to take a use case uh, with the customer satisfaction uh, here uh, i remember my days before joining uh, tata technologies tata motors right so i was with uh, you know uh, rockwell distributor those days and we were helping uh, tata motors tal those days right tata automation limited and we used to work with foundry so those are the days we were working with uh, foundry teams and then we had a good connect and uh, uh, helping them on automation world and then i happened to be with you uh, in your team and the it as a center of excellence uh, uh, you know uh, initiatives and then uh, the team came back uh, they had a, a key problem to solve which uh, you know the foundry process you know casting requires lot of metals to be you know have a molten metal and then have a casting for example engine or transaxle and gearbox and many other things right so they have to have all these uh, metals uh, composition has to have a right composition to get a, a good quality otherwise there used to be huge uh, uh you know non quality cost or rejections and uh, another key point was the 
the leader the uh, you know the plant operators right they are very experienced and uh, they had all their formulas in in their head okay okay if this is the batch you know you need to put so on so cast iron so on so you know uh, um, you know carbon and xyz and some of the elements like you know uh, zinc or lead which are very expensive right so those One days uh, tata motors want to optimize the cost uh of this you know um, you know excess usage of key or expensive uh, metals as well as uh, uh, also uh, de-skill this process because it's everything on this uh, person head if the person is not coming or you know he gets retired you know uh, what to do next right it's uh, uh, so that, then uh, that is where uh, you know the request came from the business and uh, as you are aware the low satisfaction uh, on it and uh, which our team had helped them to those days again uh, you know you were pushing a lot you are not allowing us to have any on site server right on prem servers you migrate to the cloud you know the those days uh, it's it's a completely new technology new word you know new buzzword for us and uh, without knowing all these words like cloud or iot and all right so we have connected automation system plcs and then the test equipment which was do you know giving the metal composition and then the it applications databases all we connected to the cloud server where operator is just uh, all he needs to do is select which recipe he wants to run and then automatically it used to give the composition that's it you know the, he has to blindly follow that composition whatever is shown on the screen and then uh, you know uh, feed that particular batch and then capture the data so that uh, you know uh, uh, basically it gives uh, uh, kind of um, you know uh, the results and keeps tracking uh, this particular data and also has this financial calculations you know what was the recommended what was put and then uh, uh, you know uh, what is the outcome so this has really helped uh, you know the business whatever goals that they wanted to achieve in terms of reducing the cost you know, re- you know uh, the scrap cost also reduced drastically the metal cost reduced drastically and then the de-skilling of the processes and also those days um, right you know like uh, the this technology's acceptance right when nobody knows iot and cloud so the first time which under your leadership uh, we were able to you know uh, drive this uh, one of the marvelous uh, you know example and all this culminating to customer satisfaction right so uh, i know you know like uh, we spent hardly some 3 4 lakhs in achieving this simple tools and uh, we had uh, the roi within 6 uh, months or so right so it's phenomenal achievement and uh, probably you know i leave, you know uh, you know i allow you to speak about uh, what was the customer satisfaction and what happened next right for example lot of uh, you know requests coming from the users uh, you know and these yeah. this project really uh, brought uh, laurels like you know icmg awards and uh, ndtv awards if you remember right um, uh, so it's marvelous so customer satisfaction here the it processes with the technologies knowing understanding the processes deploying this right you know you're connecting from shop floor guys to the you know the top floor yeah, thank you for yeah, that opportunity okay. and uh, thank you again for giving me this floor to share my experience thank 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 jagdish for offering to come here and i mean i think let me tell everyone like, you know in my uh, i mean uh, i i didn't reach out to jagdish actually jagdish said hey i want to share something 
and uh, i think that's a marvelous example in fact you know sometime i should talk about it about talk about how to you know measure manage customer satisfaction and you know how to make it exciting i think we had a whole very elaborate process around measuring customer satisfaction and then you know we used to do a ton of analysis on that and then identify you know annual action plan based on that so you know many times people do satisfaction survey exercises you know just for vanity you know to show how good we are but i think the real value that we get from those exercises are actually the action plans that come out of them so so having said that you know this foundry is a classic case so the first time i mean i did this exercise i remember it was i think 2010 or so when yeah yeah so so this was actually a little bit uh, you know jagdi you came a little bit later but you know there was water which which had flown under the bridge by that time <laughs> so we did this customer satisfaction exercise and i was just doing that pareto analysis of it like you know the distribution of you know which are the best areas the worst areas you know then we were doing it actually by the function by the location the slicing and dicing of it but you know something which really stood out was foundry like you know foundry had i think the the worst customer satisfaction or average satisfaction about some 3.35 if i'm correct out of 5 and uh, i think it was under 3 it was i think 2.7 or something like that one of the worst and then i think that was the first time i must say that i acknowledged that we have a foundry <laughs> because you know some of these functions you know they i mean you know ideally you would say that they foundry should be part of tata steel right tata motors but yeah motors foundry i think it still has a foundry and that foundry does some really business critical work which is like you know the the castings of engine blocks and the and the heads and all and you know which then basically go for machining and other stuff um, and these are like you know some you know really interesting alloys because they are really high stress components and for like you know it's good it's 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 important to good that mix of that alloy right you know what yeah. that's the recipe yeah. that jagdish was talking about well um, going back to that customer satisfaction we actually formed a crack team got i remember a gt there and you know i think asmita was there and you know a couple, yeah. few more guys uh, from tire technology and tata motors and then we uh, basically uh, you know they just went around trying to figure out like you know why people are unhappy and and they figured out that listen this is when i looked at it i said oh my god in a in a organization which is completely built up around discrete manufacturing you have small part of the organization which is into process manufacturing right and these are two very different these are two very different process domains to manage and we got to learn that completely uh, you know from the scratch I think you know that's when the transformation part started we started with small things you know automating some small stuff I remember then this project came you know where we had I think if I remember there was a sensor uh, you know inside the furnace you know which would actually also tell you what's the current uh, you know sort of uh, uh, mix and based on that you had to adjust your final mix and I think that final mix yes the yeah. temperature reading so integrating that sensor readings into the application right and yes. then basically then calculating what is the mix of the next one because it's a process manufacturing you know it's like just flowing yeah. flowing so yeah. you got so to, before the batch is out uh, one has to exactly. uh, basically you, you know ensure right the batch now, quality is good exactly so right now you know before the next one comes out before the next ladle uh, comes out you got to like send the right mix of alloy there uh, and and i think it's pretty complex but once you get the maths of it right and once you're able yes. to automate it right 
then the magic starts and they started calculating their cost of alloy per casting and all yeah. and there was a and the drop in that uh, there was like improvement in quality because you're getting the mix right and i think that's a great example of this jagdish said you know it didn't require much money okay you know if you are thinking that hey you know my management is not giving me a lot of money and i can't do you know any kind of transformation using digital technologies you can look around for uh, these opportunities i think the focus has to be on the on improving the business process uh, the focus has to be on reducing the pain of the business stakeholder i think you know that's what we keep talking about user experience but you know even when you look at as process and a business critical process where you know users are having difficulties or having a lot of manual work so think about how you can do manual how how you can automate that and then you know improve the quality of life of those people but thank you jagdish for bringing those memories back i must say it's a bit of nostalgia as well <laughs> you know uh, to uh, to both who you know some of those uh, real case studies uh, again uh, you remember thanks, thanks. Uh, you know the key takeaway yeah. was like one page uh, uh, user manual right <laughs> and that in marathi icing on cake yeah and i think i think it was a one page application also right the application yes. wasn't too many it was one or two Only page application two slides two slides one for the uh, end user one for uh, administrator that's a two slide application absolutely just two slide and you know i think i think the i think the power of that application was in simplicity as well as well as that yes. one page user manual yeah. yeah thanks thanks for bringing those memories uh, jagdish uh, thank you thanks for thank thanks you. for coming on pretty chat yeah so that was jagdish tambi my old uh, colleague he was handling the manufacturing execution system competency i think now he's in schneider if i'm correct uh sharing his experience both how he's benefited from clarity chat plus you know a business impact case study so when we have this uh, ask me anything sessions guys i i'll be very very happy to have you you know uh, talk about your experiences with uh, you know these kind of case studies and uh, you know some really good lessons out there you know keep it simple you know one page user manual one page application take intelligence at the back end you know all your calculation and mathematics uh, and just keep it really simple for the end user the the, the person on the foundry who is doing that uh, uh, you know that recipe of alloys uh, how can you make it sim- simpler to sim- simpler and simpler for him or her right how to transform defensive mindset to offensive mindset of it team in the current environment this question came from uh, shubhajit roy who is the ex cio of sbi funds management of it team in the current environment so let's let's understand you know where that uh, defensive and offensive uh, are certain roles uh, defensive in nature why are certain roles offensive in nature and like for example if you see the sales roles right you know they are they are typically offensive in nature because they are they are highly highly uh, you know targeted as the, at the business outcomes which is revenue right so you see you look at people in operational roles they will be very offensive i mean not offensive in the in the emotional term but in terms of like you know go getters you know going getting it done whether you look at people in manufacturing or supply chain because if they are not you know work will stop 
if you don't get materials on time uh, the work will stop you know if you don't sell enough you know you will probably lose market share or you know your revenues will drop and i think they all their incentive systems and everything is uh, driven by that but when you look at you know defensive uh, mindset who has defensive mindset you know where you have to where it is more about compliance where it does not be you know uh, affect so much you know your your job is not very time critical and all that and then you know therefore you have the time to be uh, defensive you know you have the time and the luxury to be defensive okay when you are in sales 31st is 31st you cannot buy one more day right uh, when you are in it you can easily buy three more weeks of time to go live coming to that i think uh, the offensive mindset comes when you believe that you are able to impact the organization and its goal in a very very tangible manner and uh, and and believe in it as i said it's not that you do or not everyone in it does impact organization results but you know in a sort of subtle and indirect and and long term way you know which basically you know makes us uh, doubt that part a little bit that are you making a difference right so but if you believe that you are making a difference and uh, whatever you are doing is making a difference you will be absolutely offensive about it i mean uh, let me give you uh, uh, an uh, a case study from my experience and it's not just one case study this used to happen very regularly okay i believed because i came from business i had seen how you know um, how it enabled or or you know sort of in a way not enabled uh, business and uh, I said, you know, what IT has to make an impact, right? I mean, you don't have an option. And then uh, it would also happen many a times, uh, initially more, later on less, that you know people would ask for a change request, okay? And then we uh, get the change request done. The UAT will take a lot of time, and after the UAT takes a lot of time, there's nobody using it, okay? Hey, I am your podcast host, Jagdish Belwal. I had a rich career as CIO at Tata Motors and GE. Now, as an advisor, I help organizations transform with technology. Technology is necessary for digital transformation, but not sufficient. So I help organizations with the rest of it: leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast. and do connect with me on linkedin so i said listen you know every change request is like quite a few hours of organization resources okay and these resources cannot be wasted it's neither me nor a business person raising a change request nor a business process owner raising a change request has a right to waste organization resources so i said bring accountability into those and i said listen i want to know all those change requests you know where which have either not been uated or which are which are not been adopted that means you know people have not started using those transactions or using those modules and i want to have a discussion with those bpos with the business process owners as to you know why why it's thing like that i think that was a strong message the moment you know it came to that you know you gave to crs and you know, nothing has been done and cio wants to meet you uh i think that is stirred something in the organization maybe one more lesson which i didn't say right in the beginning do you respect organization's resources that 
if you are consuming those resources and that resources are not making and and that's not making an impact you know does it stir something inside you or not it did for me and i also gave a directive to my team i said listen let us also give a certain you know weightage to the people who are giving us the business uh, change, the system change request from business i would like to know who are the people who are more committed that means you know they are asking us to make changes and the moment we make those changes they start running with it and they start like you know transforming the respective business process with it vis-a-vis i want to know those people you know who are like just sleeping on it and they are making the changes because you know some users said hey no not what and then they slept out and slept on it and i said let us prioritize on those business users who are adopting it faster right so i created a back pressure on the business uh, folks or the it uh, touch points from business to start holding them accountable you know why should everyone hold it accountable why can't i hold business guys accountable and i just took that charge and i also told my bosses i said listen you know this is the framework i am putting because the resources are limited i don't have unlimited number of laptops i don't have unlimited uh, amount of development capacity i will prioritize based on business impact i hope that gives you an that gives you a sense of what the offensive means it is like you know respecting the organization's resources it is holding the uh, business partners accountable it is holding the uh, vendor partners accountable i remember you know we the a group company and you know we challenge them to basically uh, you know do cloud uh, services for us and uh, they were taking their sweet time and i think we basically had a governance meeting and we said that you know these are the 10 things we want you to do in uh, in managing our cloud presence and we wanted by this and this time and uh, we held them accountable to it they came back by that time they had done four out of those 10 things and i said listen i'm giving you three more months nothing else otherwise this scope is going out of your uh, of your scope and again three months back there was not much movement and i actually cut out the contract and i gave it to a small vendor and that was holding them accountable even though group company uh you know they could go and complain to uh, group offices they could like you know i mean there are the whole host of things that you suffer being part of a large group but no i mean that's that's playing on the front foot that's playing offensive and nobody's about accountability so you want to play the offensive game start bringing accountability more and more into your discussions i hope that makes sense uh, shubhojitda if you are there uh, on the chat um so let me let me end there i'm i think i'm getting emotional <laughs> uh but yeah i was uh, i mean just on a not really on a lighter note on a serious note i i, I was very very empathetic towards the hard work that my uh, teams were putting and i really hated it you know when these guys are you know giving their heart and soul and you know working overtime and getting some programs made migrated to production and then nobody uses it you know i don't think they ever looked at it whether somebody using it or not but as somebody who was sitting and looking at the entire chain it hurt me to see their efforts going wasted so maybe the other thing is that you know start respecting your own team's efforts start respecting uh, the work that your it team is doing and not let anyone any part of that go waste and uh, that's one way for 
of coming from defensive to offensive. Data three says, how do we attach a dollar value to data we carry in the organization? For example, data in the ERP server. If we lose all important data residing in ERP server, what would CEO, CIO response to stakeholders with value associated with this question is all about knowing or calculating value of data in any organization carry at any given time? I think that's a that's a very good question. That this is <laughs> so. I think I think this question has a sort of contradiction in it. You know, this is like you know, you asking me, you know, what kind of value should I put on water or what kind of value should I put on oxygen, right? So can an organization work without data? The answer is absolutely no. It cannot work without data, right? Now, if you cannot work without data, can you afford to lose that data? No. So I would say the value to that data is like you know invaluable. It's a invaluable means it's a, a organization's question of survival. So I I guess I think somewhere your question is also related to. You know, setting up a disaster recovery, <laughs> you know, which is why you are probably asking that question. Please send me a comment if it is related to disaster recovery, or maybe you know a data backup solution or something like that. You know, these these are I think some of these discussions we need to have right up front that hey, you know, this is not this is not done. You know, this is like you know paying an employee a salary. It is like you know having my backup uh, strategy in place properly. You know, this is like uh, having a DR for at least my critical, uh, you know, uh, stuff like my ERP, right, or any of my let's say supply chain uh, system. That's that's essential. You cannot. Okay, so you're saying not related to ERP, right? Okay. So I think I think uh, so. Dattatreya, I think you got answer to answer. It is not you know sometimes the the value cannot be looked at. From a dollar point, dollar dollar point of view, it has to be looked at from its criticality point of view. I think the question to ask is that: What if that data was not there? Right? Would I be able to trade? How much? How much would it, uh, you know, hamper my uh, operations? And uh, let me give you an example. For example, you know, you have a a, a transaction uh, uh, system, and you also have an analytic system, right? Now let's say the analytics system didn't have a backup and you know sort of crashes and you lose all that data. I mean, what's the business impact? Yes, there will be a business impact uh, a little bit, but is it like you know, have I lost my data? No, because my analytics is a secondary database. Analytics always gets populated from you know your transaction system, so you could actually repopulate it, right? You can run the same ETLs and repopulate it. It may it may be a few days of downtime for analytics, but eventually, in terms of impact on business. Uh, depending on the context, uh, you know there may be a low or no impact on the business. So you cannot put one yardstick to it, uh, but you also cannot discount it completely. Okay. How partners, IT companies, important for CIO in his vision, uh, goal, goal accomplishments. So before I go to that question, uh, Dattatre has. Uh, uh ask that clarifying question we get to hear that company has lost usd 1 million 2 million value of data so how do we get that value in dn i don't know how do they calculate that value that they frankly i think generally when they talk about you know um, millions uh, the way i read them is that you know that's the num- that's a million number of records they have lost 
and whether they have put a dollar value in that dollar value could, could be a potential you know uh pulling from any of the consultants or there may be some methodology which i'm not uh, aware of but uh, thanks for that yeah so now coming back to question from raguraman uh, how partners it companies important for ciu and vision goal accomplishment absolutely important because if you saw the video right in the beginning of the clarity chat you know where we are setting out the purpose we there's a mention that you know 95% of the technology talent is on the supplier side it's either on the product partners side like you know whether it's microsoft or google or you know any of product guys out there or it is on the system integrator side whether it is like you know accenture or ibm or uh, tcs or infosys or any of these companies so when 95% plus of your technology talent is out there how can you build a strong technology foundation for your organization if you are not working with them or if you are not effectively leveraging with them or effectively partnering with them so um, absolutely essential but are we able to leverage it to the potential uh, the answer is doubtful because and why is that doubtful is because see um, uh, you know one of my uh, management professors told <laughs> used to say that you know your 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 future is frozen in your past okay and what has been our past in terms of managing uh, vendors or partners basically uh, you know are used to you know being in a parental relationship with our uh, partners you know so if you look at whether it's manufacturing or whether it's services anywhere you know wherever you look at partners uh, out there you know you you sort of have a parental attitude towards them that means you know, it's very task oriented okay you know you give them the sops they execute those sops for you you give them a design you give them the sops of manufacturing you give them the club quality parameters you know they basically just follow that to the t and they will come and give you the component right you uh, give them an sop they will they will do some service for you so when you have uh, top talent with your partners you know, that approach won't work a parental approach with them won't work so what will work with them is more collaboration where you know you are you are asking for their help you know you are uh, you are you are asking them to challenge you like i mean i always told my partners that hey i want to learn from people you are partner of who are better than us come tell me like you know what are things that gm does better than us or let's say what ford does better than us right i mean uh, i would also challenge them that hey you know these are my uh, sort of issues i mean i would have my discussions with with uh, uh, my business functions and uh, anything that i cannot solve or that i do not know i'll actually go back to my partners and i'll say that hey you know this is this is the process this is the function this is the problem can you just ping around you know your own coes and check if somebody has solved a problem like this before and i used to get uh, quick answers even uh, you know in new age products um, i used to be i used to figure out my way to sometimes engineering team okay and i've got i've seen where you know we were really going the cutting edge uh, i still have friends in uh, you know civil engineering you know who uh who i made friends with when long back when i was reaching out to them you know saying that hey you know what this is what we want to do and your product is not able to do how can you help us solve that if not now then maybe 6 months later so uh, answer is they are part of your vision you have to learn how to leverage them it is not the you have to unlearn the traditional vendor management that you have been doing 
and you have to basically drive value-driven conversations with them. You have to drive benchmarking-related conversations with them, uh, and you have to challenge them to you know uh, to come back to you with uh, with new stuff. Uh, it was actually part of uh, my article where what I wrote about five New Year resolutions that I will ask my uh, my partners to uh, you know add value to from a legal point. Vishwa with this saying how to quantify that data loss that is the question I believe yes. Uh, one way to quantify the data loss can be like, you know all the costs that you will have to undertake to basically you know clean up the shit that hit the fan. Other could be, you know, potential litigations, which you should be ready for. And that means you're provisioning certain amount for, for them. The third could be, I don't know if there are, if GDPR covers, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to also factor in some penalties on all which are there as part of written regulations. So that's how it gets. Okay. What according to you is a good team or foreign organization, central or distributed? when it comes to speed of deployment uh, of solutions. Okay, interesting one. Uh, there are various IT models. I think um, there is no, uh, I don't know whether there's a final answer to this problem where, you know, whether a central IT model is good or a distributed IT model is good. But uh, I can sort of, you know, tell you that there is a, a fourth model of IT Okay, I have written, I have written an article uh, on the fourth model of IT. I'm requesting my team to uh, fish out the link of that particular article and then uh, you know send it to and and and, and put it up and answer your comment with the link to that article. Uh, so as a quest as well as like you know I think I shared it on LinkedIn as well. Uh, it's basically a fork model, you know, so if you take this as a fork, you know, this is the handle and this is the body and these are the tines as they call it, you know, the, 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 the fingers that come out of the, this thing. So, um, a typical fork model says that, you know, any kind of infrastructure or anything which is like, you know, for example, your networks, your data centers, you know, your core. Your, your big ticket contracts with the, you know, big partners, all of that, you know, they are all like handles, right? So, so keep them one across the organization, right? And then you have the farm. This farm is basically, you know, your, uh, your entire reusable uh, portfolio of applications, processes, capabilities. Like, for example, you know, you may have a call center. You can leverage it for 20 different things. You may have an SAP that you can use for, you know, uh, any kind of, any kind of processes that result in any financial uh, transaction or impact. So you may, so think of your applications uh, here. And you know, these tines or these fingers are like, you know, so when, so when a fork works, you know, it actually, these tines are the ones that dig into the food. So think of food as the business value, as the, as the customer touch points or the business value chain uh, touch points. Now, these are the who are digging uh, into them. So you got to leave them free. You know? So there's a, uh, so when it comes to individual businesses, business units or functions, you need to give them certain powers to do their processes in the best possible manner to make the desired impact, right? But let us say if, you know, your service function says that, hey, I want to use this data center. 
that doesn't uh, create a distinct impact whether the data center is one here or the one there, right? So you need to say that, hey, you know what, this belongs to the handle of the fork, right? If they want to say that, listen, you know, I want to use this particular application and all, you have to say that, hey, you know, first listen, first look at this before we add anything, any another layer to this. First look at this, can you do it from here, right? If it is like such some something which is very specific, let's say, for example, you know, handling a customer a contact as his vehicle has broken down and, you know, there's an entire experience that you are teaching through some other application, you've got to leave them free. So, so Fork is a good uh, framework for not really deciding whether central or distributed, but to decide which parts of your IT to keep central and which parts of them to keep uh, distributed and even like, you know, delegate the powers to uh, your business functions. Okay. Let me go to the last question. We are just out of time. I know we haven't covered all the questions in our, uh, in the backlog. So guys, we'll keep, you know, as and when I get this chance to do the ask me anything, I'll keep covering these questions. Uh, so let's keep developing the backlog. And for all of you who are watching the recording of this session, please keep your questions. You know, we may take them up in, uh, in, in the next AMA session. Uh, for example, Tata Motors CRM was one, one of the biggest CRM rollups used for sales service, channel partners as well as marketing. It means bringing transparency in system. Business may not have supported of success of this project for any reason, but in IT can push at certain extent. What is the good balance mantra to push by IT? <laughs> that's a that's a that's a great question. I think you know uh, it's actually you know how do you get your work done? So uh, it's, it's a classic uh, issue in change management. That, you know you will have people who would not want to change for whatever reason sometimes emotional reasons right uh, so let me take a, a an example here so when we were deploying this drm at the dealerships uh, who are the guys who would be the most resistant to change at the dealership just think about it these will be the people who have developed those systems who are already working at the dealership you know these are these used to be in our times the dbs or the foxwood based systems and uh, they're like, you know, it's my baby. So how can I throw my baby out and bring like some, you know, Tata Motors given system in? So uh, we had to strategize it. We had to anticipate it that this challenge is going to come. And what we did was we actually went into the shoes of that, uh, you know, we used to call them as system administrators. We went inside the shoes of that system administrator and we said, okay, you know what? What are his aspirations? What are his pains? You know. What, what would you want to do in life? And we figured out that, you know, most of these guys are like, you know, not very old people. And, uh, you know, they still have a lot of career ahead of us, ahead of them. Yeah, you know, they have a certain amount of power being the administrators of that system. So here is what we designed. Okay, so first thing, we basically put them on a pedestal. We said that, listen, you are the guys who are going to make it, you know, who are going to get it done. We created certain sort of, you know, like social, uh, you know, uh, sort of brightness around that role. Uh, so for all the other roles, you know, they would get trained uh, at the dealership. For these people, we actually used to get them to travel and uh, and come out. And, you know, these people, they never travel, actually. Your salespeople may travel, but uh, the system administrators never travel. So we got them to travel. 
everyone used to go through a two to three days training program. We created a seven days, five days training program for them. Uh, we had our senior people come into that uh, training program. Uh, and you know, so the whole experience was like a premium experience for them. You know, they, we made them feel tangibly that they are part of something big and they have a big role to play in that. So that was the first one. Then the second one was still like, you know, they've created a system. How can they let it go? And, you know, we basically told them, listen, where is the future? Where is the future of technology and where is your future? Uh, is it in Foxpro or DBase or is it in a web-based system? And I think being technology people, they're smart enough to understand where the future lies. And we said, listen, you do this and, uh, you know, you secure your future. So we connected to both, you know, their uh, emotional aspiration. They were part of back office, invisible. We brought them to the forefront, gave them a lot of importance. We connected with the personal, personal aspiration, you know, kind of connected it to their uh, career growth. And the third most important thing is that they had a certain amount of empowerment in that system as an as an administrator. And uh, we designed the whole system. We stretched ourselves. We stretched technology. We designed the whole system to make sure that whatever empowerment they had in the old system, they would continue to have it in the new system as well. And we were very empathetic to their request. Like, for example, they said that, you know, I don't want anybody in my dealership to raise a request before, you know, like I have looked at it. We said, very good, you know, that reduces my support efforts. So (laughs) instead of, uh, you know, if you are able to solve, let's say 70% of the support uh, requests locally with yourself, you know, I mean, we are all the more happy because my support load goes down. So we kind of enabled all of those things in a way that, you know, we kept it very personal for them they felt empowered they felt uh, enthusiastic about it they got an experience which made them trust that you know these guys are well-meaning guys they're not out there to cut me down but they're here to you know do something good for organization and for us and i think that kind of brings us to the core you know uh, of uh, any change management which is to build the trust so i would uh, yeah, we had to push quite a lot. Sorry, Pawan, the other part of your question, we had to push quite a lot as well. But that was like, you know, for process changes. But uh, once you have done the first part, which is doing the pull part of it, I think the push part becomes easy because then when you push, I don't think people mind that much because you've already earned their trust. Wow, what an interactive session. I hope you loved it as much as I did sharing my experiences and case studies with respect to your questions. Please subscribe to the Clarity Chat podcast. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. In our next podcast, I will host Sudhir Kanwinde, CIO at Supreme Industries. Watch out for our next Clarity Chat podcast with Sudhir.